This is, uh, this is going to be a mini sound of sports episode because we have Ross Marquand from Walking Dead, uh, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame on this week. And uh, we didn't want to combine sports with that, although it seemed like he wanted to with his Denver Broncos. The Caliendo Cast with Frank Caliendo, John Holmberg, Scott Long, and the rest of the Caliendo crew. It's the most important podcast in the history of Western civilization. Uh, and then John got excited again. John was excited to hear the amazing voices, got bored with me and getting sidetracked. How much, How often I got sidetracked throughout the show. You were like babysitting me. That was the whole issue. And you enjoyed it. I thought it was the best you've ever been. It was the most authentic <laughs> prank I've ever seen. It's exactly what we all deal with when we talk to you on the phone or whatever right. else. It's the scattered, this has no direction, and then eventually we're going to make a left we didn't expect conversation, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, the funny thing is I have the whole thing planned to get to that point. It just <laughs> meanders. Like You don't expect a left turn. For me, it's three right turns to get there. So yeah. oh, we get four. There. Is it we four right it. turns? It's four. Take, you take three. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, then, and then I loop around. So um, I, I wanted to get into some sports stuff this weekend because this past uh, NFL uh, weekend was pretty crazy. I, I want to start this way uh, and ask you guys a question. Are you buying Dak Prescott with his 400 to 500 yards a game? Because my son Joey – said to me, and I thought this was great analysis, he's like, but the first half, the first half, he's never any good. I shouldn't say he's not any good. This was the best he'd been, and he, I felt, and he kind of mustered some, uh, some points up. But overall, it seems like the second half's where he's getting all the stats, and they're, they're sloughing off. He's getting stuff underneath. He's still throwing some deep balls, but I don't know. When they praise Dak Prescott like he's Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, he's really – I think he's really good – I just don't think he's uh, that elite level yet. Anywhere but Dallas, and he's uh, not going to get any credit. Dallas, they want so badly for Dallas to be so – I mean, they're always a media darling before the season starts. Dak, Ezekiel, they got Lamb now and, and Cooper. This team is always going to be that preseason. I think they've got it figured out. Their defense got revamped. The thing about – I always compare it locally here in Arizona We in the 90s. There was this local push to make Jake Plummer so much better than he was because they kept coming back in these weird games. They'd play middling to bad teams and squeak out a cardiac win in the end. And, you know, Jake Plummer and the cardiac cards. But what they never paid attention to was the reason they had to come back was because in the first half, Jake usually threw two interceptions that buried them, that, that put them 13 points back to, against teams that weren't very good. And they end up nine and seven one year and beat a, a struggling Cowboys team in the playoffs. But Jake got all the credit where he should have gotten most of the blame. Nationally, they weren't doing that, but locally they were going crazy. Dak gets that same thing because Dallas is America's local team. They can't, they can't let Dak just have a day uh, where they're like, yeah, he threw for 450 yards because they were behind 27 points. Most quarterbacks have huge numbers trying to come back. Right. This will give you an idea of where the Cowboys are at. When you turn on the number one game for CBS, it's our buddy Tony Romo. When you turn on the number one game for Fox, 
it's Troy Aikman. They're the two best quarterbacks in the last 20 years for the Cowboys. Jason Garrett continues to get run, even though he was a backup Cowboys quarterback. Who's a backup quarterback that you haven't know anything about and let alone get a head coaching job right out of the gate? So it just – he's – Dak Prescott is a pretty good quarterback, and if you're going to open up a pretty good Hall of Fame, he would uh, probably get nominated <laughs> maybe the third year, you know, it's pretty good uh, showing. But he's not worth $40 million, not no. even close. So do you want to blow up your cap? This year you're seeing the Dallas Cowboys for the last three years had an amazing offensive line. They don't have one this year. I it's, think it's just I, pretty good. Scott, to your point, I think that's my issue. He's holding out for all that money. And, uh, you know, they, they were going back and forth and Jerry's playing some games and I think that's where I start to, and why wouldn't he do that? He should do that. You got to protect yourself and do the best you can. I get that, but you're going to make a lot of money as the Cowboys quarterback, as you also pointed out, because the rest of your career is basically set and your post career is set. Um, but I, I think that's where I have the animosity going. I've always been one of those people that in a negotiation in television or something like that, I've always gone, you know, I think this is fair. And then my managers and agents would say, no, 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 no. We got to get a lot more. I'm like, but it seems good because I would have doubts in myself. And maybe I'm also jealous of that a little bit, <laughs> that he has that much confidence in himself that he's like, I can do this. Because if I bring it back to me, I'm like, I was always like, you know, this is good enough. I feel real happy that I've even gotten here. I'm lucky to be in this. And then I think, like I said, I'm envious of people who can say, oh, no, 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 I definitely deserve more. And I have that at the lower tiers. Like if somebody's like, we want you to come work for this. We want you to come do a a show for 500 bucks. I I can't do that. I just, that'll hurt my business uh, overall. I, and a lot of times I go, you know what, I'll just do you a favor for free. John and I have done that plenty of times for each other. John's doing it right now. And uh, <laughs> but it's, one, it's one of those where you go, I, you know what, it's better that you don't pay me any money at all. I've had that with Fox and iHeartRadio even at different times. Where I go, you know what, I'm just, or ESPN more than anybody. I'm going, you know what, the $250 that you just offered me is embarrassing. And if I ever negotiate with you again, you're using that against me. So I I will do this for free and I actually retain ownership of anything I created. You don't own it at all. And I'll just do it for free. There's, that's a little thing. And then next time I want to get paid for real uh, if we're going to do this. And then they, they keep coming back to me with free stuff. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what's happening, but I think Frank just asked us for money. Yeah, because Dak Prescott was going to make $40 million. All of a sudden, Frank, Frank kept saying, pay me, pay me. I'm like, you got very pay the man in the middle of that. And I understand it. You're right. We'll yeah, no, no, right. Check the mail, Frank. I just didn't want to be a hypocrite and say, oh, I've never been on that end of it. Uh, right. I have, but it's the low end that, that makes me mad. And I, 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 most yeah. of the time I will acquiesce and take something before the highest, even though I'll usually have an agent or manager or lawyer that'll say no. But it's, it's who you're surrounded by too. And pro athletes has to be a different story because I understand the same thing you do. And I think Scott and Rich, you guys both get like, you know when you're being undercut, but you're not sure what your value is. I think that's an individual's thing. I, I know when I'm being told too little, too much scares me because then yeah. I've got performance anxiety. Right. So, 
So you get into that, I think this is enough kind of thing. I can make this work. And if I fail, it won't make me look too bad. They didn't pay me so much that I feel like I had to succeed. Football's different. Because yeah, you see that with running backs all the time. Running backs get paid and then they just stop it, really performing. You're not doing a job, Frank. I'm not doing a job, Scott. Rich, we're not doing jobs where all of a sudden uh, at age 24, we can't do that job anymore because one day uh, it was taken away from us, you know, other than like a car accident or whatever. So these guys are trying to get a, a lifetime's career worth of pay in five years. And I understand that. But to what your point is, I think Dak, Dak Prescott wanting $40 million and Jerry Jones saying, well, hold on a second. I've gotten you two elite receivers. You have one of the top five running backs in, in the game. And the line I've just rebuilt, if it wasn't for Leighton Vander Esch getting hurt, that defense is, has a ridiculous amount of speed and talent up front. I think that really crushed that defense. And I don't think Mike Nolan's system fits the Cowboys' personnel at all. But they went out and got free agents. As a Steeler fan, I look at Dallas and I'm like, where do they get all the money? Like the Steelers are constantly yeah. cap strapped, constantly. And, and the Cowboys are like, oh, we went out and got the number one safety in free agency. We got a corner in free agency. I'm like, how did they do that? I don't get now, it. Isn't that, John, isn't that weird? I mean, you'll watch, there's always three or four teams in the NFL that everybody has a cap, but then like the Rams were signing Goff for $35 million and they dawdled for this, and they brought in Jalen Ramsey. And it's like, where's all this money come from, and why, why is my team this way? And then the 49ers did pretty much the same thing yeah. this offseason. And you're like, where's this money? The Cowboys do it almost every year. Is it because a lot of the other teams follow the New England model where they're like they're paying everybody pretty good, and like they pay special teams players better and because they consider all three – uh, I mean, watching that game last night, the Monday night game, that the, the Patriots, if, uh, you know, if num- Edelman doesn't let that ball go through his hands, that game's going to probably go down to the wire. Belichick was brilliant yeah. in that game. He demonstrated basically the template, which he's been working on, on how to slow down the Chiefs. They just – they had a, a fifth-string quarterback playing for him. I mean, I didn't understand that at all. Uh, Stenum was better than Hoyer. Hoyer was horrendous. Yes. Uh, but, but that game. Ooh, that could be a nickname. Hoyerendous? Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> he was Hoyerendous. Uh, he was not Molinific. That Mullen was terrible, yeah. too. Oh, those two quarterbacks. And the third Catches strings up come with in. Yeah. yeah, and they played well. The third strings played well. It was the second strings that sucked. Well, maybe there's some. Maybe there's also some uh anxiety there too and all if you're coming in as the third stringer you yeah. they don't have as much uh you the know performance anxiety thing. yeah they can't yeah. Let yeah. Down. yeah there's th- th- there's no stakes like you're not expected to be good so you right. get in there a little relaxed and you're pressing a little bit but not the amount that the the backup is it's it's following up Howard Stern you know everybody that came in for Howard Stern you don't want to be the guy who replaces the best guy you want to be the guy you know two guys later that's what you want to be let me John, give you have you ever have you ever interviewed uh Diamond Dave uh Roth D- David Lee Roth yeah. no we've never had him on because I think we've had opportunities occasionally, but it's, he's, a, he's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think he has any anxiety because he is, he is in his own land the whole time. I mean, he was a bad choice, but he seemed to be the one guy that I don't think was nervous following Howard Stern. Like, I don't even know 
if he even well, thought about it, he's just like, I'm Diamond Dave. You would have to be uh, aware to be nervous <laughs> to follow Howard. He was oblivious to what he was he being was. asked. More scattered than me? More scattered than me? Oh, yeah. much more. Frank, you have no, no idea. But you, you beat Stern here in town, didn't you? Yeah, we, we, we ran with Stern pretty good. We beat him most of the way through. I mean, look, that's, that's a show where I'm doing a local show, and he's interviewing Paul McCartney. Right. Uh, I tip my cat. I mean, the guy's the best interviewer in the business. Would I want that job after he leaves? No. I'd take it, but uh, that's just my ego. That's me saying I can try this. I'll give well, I remember my friend Rover had to do it too. This yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, that's a tough one, doozy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would do it, but it's, it definitely is something like, you know, a third string quarterback coming in. I'd feel like, hey, what have I got to lose? I'll take this job. But nobody expects me to do well. So the bar is so low that I can't help but, at least in my own head, think I can surpass my expectations. I'll never be what I'm replacing, but I never was. So that third-string quarterback mentality is so unique because those guys, it's backup point guards in the NBA. Everybody's always clamoring for that guy because he seems cool as a cucumber. What's he got to lose? The game's out of hand or he wouldn't be in it. And I think there's a certain aspect of knowing that, like, look, I'm in here to mop up. And if I can just have a little bit of a showing here, Duck Hodges, for Christ's sake, last year was they sold duck calls in Pittsburgh. It was, it was just this clamoring for something because we didn't expect anything. If he failed, of course he did. If he didn't, it was, it was frosting. So Yeah, you're I, almost the last guy on the bench in the NBA getting in, right? You're, yeah. You're, the crowd's going to cheer. It's, it's, it's what I always complained about in ESPN when – when I got tired of watching ESPN because every sports center ended with, and now we go to Rochester to find a boy who was born without a body and a head. It's just an eyeball wrestled in his final event and won because it's like, of course he won. Who's going to wrestle the eyeball and try to beat it. You can't win that. It's on the other guy. So it, it, it's so just, easy it's, to make weight when exactly. you're the eyeball. <laughs> when you're the That's eyeball. Fair. Yeah. You don't have to sweat oh. off anything. Visine uh, yeah. is your nightmare. <laughs> Did, you remember when we started this uh, podcast and we were we had one person who loved backup quarterbacks? Wasn't that his thing? And I feel like now we <laughs> oh, yeah. finally evolved to the place where we're – it's the circle is finally closed. We're talking backup quarterbacks. We is this the circle them. of Scott? Yeah. It's the circle that. of Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – he, he went on and on about a couple of backup quarterbacks. I forgot yeah. his name. He was that yeah, black kid. The comic. Are we allowed well, to say? The comic book guy, wasn't it? Wasn't he into the book? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, oh, yeah I, forgot, I even forgot about that completely. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He was oh, yeah, I thought you were bringing it up because you knew it. <laughs> no, 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 you, no. Didn't you make the big joke? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you guys pay Dak Prescott if you're Jerry Jones? He's, he's, they, no. they're, they're essentially 0-4. They shouldn't have won the one game they, they won. Here's a better better comparison for Dak Prescott right now, and he's two years behind him. Josh Allen in Buffalo, what he's doing in his no third good. year, you'd pay him over Dak Prescott, even what Dak's oh. done the last couple of years, just because of the trajectory that Josh yeah. is on with the offense and the coach. And all they did was go out and get Diggs as a receiver and say, here's a little right. help. They have a good defense, no and question. And Singletary's come into his own a little bit too, so, I mean, they've got all the pieces there. But as how well. many quarterbacks in the NFL, and I mean – and in, in, this, in this NFL, with that Dallas Cowboys offense, put up huge numbers. I mean, 
I, I think yeah. of the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, 25 of them would do very well with those receivers and that running game. The, the one thing, since I listen to our guy Lombardi and his podcast, the one thing that he has always been on is that Jason Garrett and, um, and this, what's the kid that's from Boise State, Rich, that's the offensive coordinator Kellen now? Moore. Kellen oh, yeah. Moore. He, he thinks they're inept. He thinks both of them are inept and McCarthy stuck with him. Like he said that McCarthy basically got the job and they were like, you have the job but you don't get any of your guys. You're going well, to have to work with Jerry Jones. Jerry yeah, Jones, Jerry last Jones. Coach, the last coach that questioned everything was Jimmy Johnson since then. And Parcells yeah. to a certain ex- extent, but Parcells didn't tolerate his shit. That just didn't work. But uh, since then, I mean, Jason Garrett had a job for however long he had it because Jerry was like, well, at least he's not up in my grill all the time telling me he needs this and this. Jerry, to his credit, though, has given – that roster all it needs, but I do think that coaching yeah. isn't I, I do think that the biggest problem has been the guy at the helm. I mean, you had Aikman, Emmett, and and uh, Michael in their prime, and all three of them will tell you if it wasn't for Barry Switzer and that whole move with Jimmy, they'd have probably gotten two more titles. Uh, it was coaching that stopped right. the triplets, and that was an amazing football team. I, you know, I'm friends with Dale Hellestray, who was on that team, and he's like, I always he and Troy talk, and Troy told him once, he said, we'd have won the, uh, two more Super Bowls if Jimmy stayed. And he goes, Barry Switzer didn't make you throw three interceptions in the first half against the 49ers. <laughs> he, gives, he gives him the grief, and he said, yeah, he said, but the culture of that team was totally different to where those three True. interceptions, they, they weren't being corrected. Yeah, it's uh, while we're on the um, Cowboys quarterbacks, one more second here. Uh, <laughs> I just got to – when Romo – and Nance, I don't know if you heard this, Scott, but last night, and I, I texted Holmberg right away, and I texted the wrong thing so he could needle me. I should have texted. I texted, they did, uh, Romo and Nance quoted me, and I should have said, Romo and Nance quoted us, John. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I should have said. But did you hear that last night, Scott? I didn't. Oh, this is exciting. So, it, what, what happened? so there's a so, the, so there's a kickoff or a, I don't remember if it was a kickoff or a punt, but they thought somebody touched it, it deflected, and Romo deepens his voice slightly because he was matching me, and he goes, "Here we go, Jim," and then Nance goes, "Tony." That was awesome. <laughs> really? Un- oh no, that's great. Unreal, and the everything started uh, flooding in to Twitter. And then I put it up on Instagram, and I wrote, uh, writing credit, John Holmberg, here we go, Jim. Just so he couldn't – because he's sending me texts like, oh, without me, you're nothing. And, I, <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just dying on the inside as Holmberg's crushing me. And, uh, but it was great, and that was uh, – I do – Well, that, was the, that goes back to kind of the conversation with uh, Ross Marquand. It was the – the, the beginnings of an impression are based on a, on a phrase. And right. we all, and Scott was there that whole podcast ago, and the one thing he always does is, here we go, Jim. He's right. always got a, every, and then, you know, you had the astute, incredible Jim Nance, which we were, nobody knows this, but Frank and I probably spent two weekends in a row sending each other Jim Nance impressions and just barely missing loading and loading. And then and missing in different ways. Right. And you, you, got, you, have the, you have golf Nance down too. But then with the t- I just realized with – it was when I did the Madden Summerall bit about Patrick Mahomes that 
uh, Jim Nance sounds like you're messing with the speed and volume dials <laughs> on a uh, on the um, the vo- uh, the audio board, and he'll go to the sideline, and I can't say any words other than Tony. But when <laughs> but it he always says something else, but I know I can say Tony, and then. When they did it last night, I was like, are you kidding me? Like in the middle of a primetime game uh, with the Chiefs, I just thought that was so – because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, the Nance punctuation of just that one word is brilliant. So, I mean, it doesn't – I mean, the the impression of Tony – Tony Romo doesn't say anything or really go a direction like Madden does that you can make him – so funny, oh, I think he does because I've turned I've turned him into that. Oh, this is incredible and amazing yeah. and amazingly incredible. Yeah. Without but without that stamp, of it has guy, to be. Yeah, I, I and I've always I, absolutely. So, I, so but here we go, they, Jim, and and he did so it funny. like he was. He did it like it was us doing it though. He did mm-hmm. the here we go, Jim. <laughs> he didn't even. He, it's like he wound up for it. That was one of those moments. Like okay, we're the best culture. part of that is during a commercial break, they've discussed when to do it. That wasn't just – they didn't just improv that. There was a moment – if I say, here we go, Jim, hit me with a Tony, had yeah. to be part of that. I want to know the back. Nance sounds a little like he's not g- going to do it. He, he kind of goes, Tony. But you know that they're thinking that in their heads all the time. I, they're thinking, here we go, Jim, and Tony, yeah. every time they do something. Because you can hear Nance sometimes going, to the sideline. Like he's trying <laughs> to keep it down a little bit. You called out their crutch, and now they're, they're aware of it. I don't think it's a cry. I think that's just their style. Well, no, I mean, it's their thing. But here we go, Jim, is now your comic crutch for them. So when they do it, they're like, I just did it. It's, you can't it's, help it. It's Abbott and Costello. Here we go, yeah, Jim. Hey. They go together so well. That's how we're so Frank, have you, have you ever broken down how many people have uh, that you've done little impressions of that they've adjusted themselves because of it? Like Colin Cowherd. Like he all of a sudden was not doing the. Ah! Yeah, it happens. It, some of them play. Gruden plays into it. The smart ones play yeah. into it because they get more commercials. All right, so <laughs> let's uh, let's let's get back into um, let's get back into the football stuff. Um, was that Scott? Did you have any other big observations from this weekend? Well, I like to do this every week I'm on and ask John where is his comfort level with the NFL week five because the, the some of his nightmare scenarios started to reveal themselves a bit, you know, with obviously Tennessee and then Cam Newton and will this all fall apart? Because that's, you basically have not given your heart to the NFL because you're afraid it's going to be pulled away. Is that correct, John? Yeah. And yeah. And I feel like that uh, once that started, you know, you get that cringe moment of like, ah, crap, you know, I'm, I'm invested in the season as far as I like watching and games are there, but I keep waiting for that other shoe to drop and it started to drop. And the good thing right now is it started in week four. So there's room, there's 12 weeks to play around with the schedule and stuff. This happens right. in week 14. We're in trouble. This happens. You know, what's really weird. It happens the week before Thanksgiving. It screws up 12 teams because you can't start moving a full weeks of games off of the Thanksgiving thing, because that knocks Christmas, that knocks New Year's, it takes the playoffs out. Uh, once, once they get past bye weeks, which I think is week 10, uh, they're, a, they're, they're in a world of hurt. And I can't help but think the NFL is, is, is uh, pulling back. There's no way Cam Newton is the only Patriot that got 
some sort of, I just, I have a feeling they're like mild symptoms you're playing. Uh, don't test that. Don't do that. False test this, false test that. I can't help but think that they're pulling it back just a little. Because the Patriots are no supposedly, way. and again, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt, but they're supposedly one of a couple teams that are taking it the most seriously and following the protocols the closest. But the more I think about that, I just see Belichick grinning under his double mask from yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah. You know, does anyone know? Uh, I don't think Hoyer has COVID-19, but it appeared like he had polio. Last <laughs> night. Like maybe it was so bad. I, I, I've been running into this. Uh, I don't know if you guys run into it, but there's some of my friends still, they won't watch the NFL. They're still angry about Kaepernick. Of course, they wouldn't watch the NBA. And they're like, how can you even want to watch that? And I'm like, because I love it. And uh, <laughs> here's how I look at it. When you, when you turn on Pulp Fiction, do you go, oh, wait a minute, Harvey Weinstein basically right. gave all the money for this. And, oh, Bruce Willis is a Republican, but then Samuel Jackson is a Democrat. And, right. and Quentin Tarantino is a weird guy with a foot fetish. Who loves to I say the N-word. Yeah, but, yeah. Like but you know right. what? You know what? A lot of people in the super far left do watch things like that. That, that is oh, how, and, and super far right, I think, have started to do that too now. I mean, it's been, that, that's been going on. I think people do that. I think nobody used to, but that's social media. That's the social dilemma. But I think uh, it's this big on either bracket. I think those are people that no one wants to deal with anyway. Somewhere in the middle, we can all watch an entertaining thing and recognize it's a show. And I, if you can't, you're a humorless asshole. Good for you. Go stand on your fringes and scream. I think most, I think, I think it is most that can, John, but I think there's a lot more people. Oh. I hear more and more people saying, I yeah. can't watch this, I can't watch it. I'm like, and I, I'm with Scott. I'm like, it's just, even when oh. there are messages, uh, and I think overall they mean well, I think sometimes they get into, uh, it's, it is hard in the middle of a football game when they're talking about people dying. Um, yeah. That's, it's yeah. just a, I get how important that is. Um, for us as a society, but that's the time where people want to get away, so it escape. makes it difficult. Yeah, they, it, yeah, you can't escape. It's like it being thrust right into your face. So, um, and those and people and people have every right to walk away. They can, but sure. I think if it's really great, that's kind of my theory. Like, okay, uh, I don't, I don't really think everything that uh, Hobby Lobby does is great, <laughs> but I don't give a shit about Hobby Lobby. So, no, I won't go shop at Hobby Lobby. And uh, you know what? Jimmy John's, the guy was killing tigers and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I can eat. Give me my number Jersey five. Mike's. Yeah. I'll get Jersey Mike's. It's not a big I can make those choices. But if there was like, let's say I like In-N-Out Burger and the guy uh, is a kid toucher in the ad like uh, Jared from Subway. I'm, if I loved In-N-Out Burger, I'd be like, eh, I love that. I'm going to still go for that. And that's the NFL. I, I, I love it too much. <laughs> I love the NFL too much to give it up. But there's not an option. I can't go to, to Australian Rules football and feel the same love for it like I can Subway and Jimmy John's, and then I go to Jersey Mike's. I know this makes no sense, but None. I wanted to put it up. No, it's I the think you're Scott. I think you're just hungry. Yeah, I just I think separating <laughs> all of the all of the BS from the uh, the stuff that was supposed to be our distraction 
is is getting lost. My my beef with all that is the, to anyone that argues like I can't believe you would watch that after all. I'm like, do you know how many racists and weirdos have created some of the best art over the last yeah. God, forever? But I mean, as far as TV, movies, sports, I mean, it, we're in it. Ted Ted Williams was probably the biggest racist in the history of baseball. The Red Sox didn't have a player of color till the year after he retired. No one talks about that, and yet you know right. he's a Hall of Famer. The Yankees. I didn't even are, know that. Yeah, the yeah. Yankees are, are struggling right now with some sort of, uh, you know, talking about their history. Oh, oh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the commissioner of baseball, they're saying can't be on any awards because he oversaw baseball during, uh, you know, segregation. And I'm like, well, then get rid of the Hall of Monuments in New York. Get rid of their uniforms. Everything represents segregation. I've said it for years. The Cubs did a thing a few years ago celebrating. Um, it, was, it was so funny to me because I'm a dark, awful person. But uh, the Cubs are like, we're celebrating 1935 today. All the Cubs are in 1935 uniforms. That's, uh, Dexter Fowler leads off the Cubs. And I'm like, great. Dude who wouldn't have been allowed to wear the uniform is right. batting first. And we're celebrating this time. And then juxtapose it with today. And now all of a sudden, the same announcers are like, what a tragic time. Uh, we shouldn't celebrate that. We got we, we to erase, put the morals of 2020 on 1910, 1925, when Kennesaw Mountain Landis was commissioner. You just can't do it, and we're so retroactively stupid that we just can't look at it and go, wow, hopefully we've learned from that and we moved on, rather than erase it. Because if you start yeah. erasing, goodbye everything that was part of it, and we're just losing history. We're not gaining anything. I got another pun for that. Would that be e-racism? Is that what that is? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that was solid. <laughs> I didn't know the show had become a big pun fest. I'm going to – no, I love it. I love it. I love this. John hates puns. I know, but that, 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 was, that like, was a laugh of hatred. That was <laughs> – This show is over. Oh, my God. I make the guys on my show take laps around the parking lot when something that awful happens. I, you know, I set it up as erases. Ra- yeah. uh, but the reason I, I do it is because that laugh is – starts as that was funny and then my brain says no it wasn't eliminate that from your mind so it, goes, <laughs> it gets real mean and then i want to watch you walk <laughs> that was one of the that's what you wanted to see is just me on the take treadmill a, running in circles take a goddamn Can that be done? yeah uh, that was one of the first jokes i ever wrote in history class as a junior in high school i remember scribbling under because i was writing stephen wright type jokes I have a race car. My, my brother has an e-race car. I make skid marks. He cleans them up. <laughs> great. Yes. Yeah. And Stephen, Stephen Wright is the, the, is the uh, Belichick of comedy. <laughs> yeah, that was more Belichick than... Yeah. He's pretty what, You mentioned that before about Belichick and that we were talking about COVID and it, it dawned on me that he actually has some loophole for COVID. Like he's always yeah. got a thing where he's read the rule book and he found something yeah. no one else has ever done. He's done it for COVID. He only had one guy, happened to be his starting quarterback, test positive, and, and he found a loophole for the rest of his team not to catch it, which is unbelievable. Because you look at the Titans. They went from two dudes to 19 in two yeah. days. And that's just because no one knew. A couple or of players Cam's were- just such a superstar, he's not hanging out with anybody. That could be, too. Like Michael Jordan staying at his own hotel. Watch, I don't, I don't believe that because I see Cam Newton uh, – being a completely different person this year overall. He's still so got far. the fancy clothes and stuff, but he does seem to be in that Belichick team mentality. So anything else from this last week? Because I think this coming up week, uh, the week coming up is kind of, ah, I'm not really sure. It appears like, 
Yeah, Bill, I, think I was just going to say, that it appears like the Arizona Cardinals, if you follow the gambling, they basically are the reason that the sports books had a good week. So many people were on the Cardinals, and there were like half of uh, half a million dollar parlays. There were like two of them at the MGM that were just waiting, a five-team parlays that were waiting on the Cardinals, and that game basically put the money in the books and that person lost half a million dollars. Now, you would hope if you won the first four of that parlay, you'd be smart enough to lay 50000 on the uh, Panthers, so at least you walk out of there making some money on the deal. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was looking at some of that stuff because that's what's really driving the NFL now, even yeah. more so. Every, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs were down 61%. So everyone that's yelling, oh, the NBA, and it's all, yeah, the NBA is down 50. 61% was the Stanley Cup. Last time I checked, that's not a big African-American viewership, yeah. uh, the Stanley Cup. So it, it just has to do with there's too many sports. Yeah, I think it has to do with a little bit of – I honestly think it has to do with everything. I think it's a yeah. perfect storm. Of, you can't yeah. label it with just one thing. There's so much going on. Plus, people are just trying to figure out how to survive. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that. Well, I texted yeah. Frank the other day, and I said uh, – I think I'm just kind of paraphrasing myself. I'm like, I miss how much I used to love baseball. I've tried to watch yeah. baseball this year. The Cubs going out in two against the Marlins – didn't phase me. And as a huge Cubs fan from when I, I mean, I, I breathed, I used to just inhale baseball and over the years, you know, you get your other interests and stuff this year, this seems so false and weird. And I tried to sit and watch some baseball the other day and I'm like, I just can't do it. The game, I keep forgetting it's on. Yeah. The game's dead yeah. for some reason. And I think it's because the, the geniuses in baseball have decided to make it about math rather than entertainment. And you can't watch a game without being told analytics or, launch angles or percentages of this and that. And I'm like, it's like an algebra class now. I liked it before when I had a drunk guy in the uh, booth being corralled by the straight <laughs> man. It was, it was a straight man saying, just stick to it, stick, don't drift. And then the guy would tell a story about all the times he was, and that got frowned upon because of PC this, PC that. So now it's just a math equation. So uh, baseball's unwatchable on television. You know, Even Steve, when you, hit, when you hit downward out of the baseball and the backspin, the trajectory causes the ball to travel an extra 40 feet. That's right, Harry. Analytics are important. Let's get back to the game. Weren't you drunk <laughs> Let's talk about how drunk you were, Harry. Yeah, I... I, I uh, I miss that. I miss the, the wild stories and the fun yeah. and the guy who used to call a game and say, this stinks rather than, you know, give me an equation to worry about as far as who cares about war and launch angle and speeds leaving the ballpark. They used to call it, to your point, they used to call games like they were calling it from the dugout. Mm -hmm. They used to call it like a buddy from the dugout, and now they're calling it like they're in the front office. Yeah, I, I That's a great always, analogy, Frank. It is. That I is used to exactly say that the, the last announcers that made you like the game were people you wanted to go to the game with. Yeah. Like, I would sit next to that guy, and I couldn't – oh, I knew – you know, and, and a you know, player would come. Vince Scully was the one you'd – I mean, think about wanting to sit next to him at a baseball game when, you know, Cody Bellinger comes up, and, and he's just like, interesting story about this guy. And you're like, what a fucking weave – the tale you're weaving – is better than the game. It has yeah. nothing to do with what's going on on the field. 
And that's dead and gone. It's over because they're so safe. They're so boring. And, to, to, you know, at least football still got some fun in the announcer booth, even though that they're, they're, you know, focused heavily on stats and stuff. It's just ridiculous. So baseball's dead. I know hockey was unwatched by the entire nation. And, you know, I think Scott's got a point. I think it has less to do with the politics and more to do with people just – Frank, your point earlier, people found out they've got other stuff they like doing. Yeah, and they're not, they're everybody not found life. Uh, I want to get this. We wanna wrap, I want to wrap this up, though. Speaking of dead and gone, uh, Bill O'Brien. We're gonna, that's our last topic. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to cut in a little bit earlier for that segue. but Two years too late. I yeah. remember last year, my friend's a Chiefs fan, and during that playoff game when they jumped ahead, and it looked bad for the Chiefs in that first, what was it, like 31 to 7 or something. It's crazy. And, I text my friend, uh, his name is Dorsey, and I text Dorsey. I said, I know you're feeling bad, but this is a Bill O'Brien team. If anybody can screw this up, I didn't believe myself, but I was just trying to say something nice to a guy who was rooting for the Chiefs. Right as that happened, Bill O'Brien does the fake punt and just, just allows the Chiefs right back in. I'm like, how is this guy still there? Especially because two years ago, we pulled a power play to get his own GM fired because he was basically saying, I'd be 13-3 and three every year without this guy. And since then, they've gone off the other direction and not being able to get along with DeAndre Hopkins and, and however that went down. This guy, uh, is, he was lucky that he kept the job the last two years. This 0-4 start with that roster is... After paying your quarterback yeah. is the He's other... Great. That guy is really good. But they don't have... They, they, they've been misguided. They're another one where the coach has made... Think of the players that have come through there. I mean, at one point they had Clowney Watt and Tyrone Matthew in the uh, – Jesus, right there you've got a defense if you've just got average players around them. And they couldn't they – could, they were 11-5 and five that year and then just said, eh, just peter out in the playoffs. There's, there's a coaching thing there, and I don't think Bill O'Brien's got that. I think he's going to be a great coordinator somewhere, but he's not going to be a head coach. such a difference between head coach and being a coordinator. It's, I agree. It, it's, it really opens your eyes. Scott, any last thoughts there? I would just say that the thing that I've been really uh, impressed with is how much better Monday night football is in the booth this year versus I was, I turned on Saturday and heard Joe Tessitore doing the fifth string ESPN (laughs) game with North Carolina. And I'm like, he sounds good. That's where he belongs. He's the fifth college football game. These guys are not exciting. They probably are not going to be that much fun doing impressions of, but it's a solid. Broadcast. Steve Levy. Steve Levy text. I texted Steve Levy a couple weeks ago. Congratulations, because I meant to do it a while ago. But I texted him that, and he's like, "You got to start working on Greasy and uh, who's with Lewis him, Riddick. Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick. And uh, he's like, but people are complaining that some people are complaining that uh, they sound similar, Riddick and Greasy. They do. And I said, but here's the thing. Levy, you're the easiest one to do because you sound yeah. broadcastery. You're the yeah. he goes, he oh crap. <laughs> no, that's Monday a good thing. Monday Night Football for me, the only beef I've got, and Frank, you and I talked about it on on uh, text. Their crowd noise, their fake crowd noise, is brutally annoying. The the, yeah. the Raiders game last week was just over the top through my speakers. I get it if it's ambient, but it was in front, like it drowned out the announcers occasionally. And I'm like, I'm not that dumb. All the seats are empty. You, you can't fool me that loud. One of my favorite moments is they were, I don't know if they were going to break, but the camera had pulled back and you just hear Gruden going, what the fuck is that? 
like I was like, oh my god! I knew it was Gruden. He wasn't on screen or anything, but he's screaming so loud, and you just hear the what the fuck is happening? Like I was like, oh my, that's unbelievable. I did enjoy last night though, because uh, Kansas City. Even I think uh, uh, Jim Nance mentioned. He said it's great that we don't have fake crowd noise. We actually get a an actual sound. And he said, but there's you know it's still not as loud as normal. And then right about that time, Patrick Mahomes was going out of bounds, and one of the two McCordys was tackling him. And, and, and Mahomes kind of flopped a little bit. And you hear McCourty go, oh, come on, come on, man. Like, you know, those were those moments where it, it's kind of fun to get that aspect. Yeah. Little aspect. It's like I, the I, NFL like, films. After, yeah, you know, but it's actually occurring in, the in time, yeah, in, in real time. Yeah, but, but the, uh, the best one was the, uh, um, uh, when Gruden had his mask thing and he kept pulling it down to talk. It seemed like the camera caught him every time going, oh, like every 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 mouth every word was motherfucker or something awful and then he put the mask back up and you just see it moving. just so they could see it just so the, yeah. he's like here that, that, that'd be a funny part of a new sketch for you frank uh, where you put the mask on and then pull it down and curse every time you curse you pull the mask down as, <laughs> yeah. as gruden because that's kind of what he's kind of doing it's hard it, it it feels like you get cheated when you curse with a mask on yeah. it like yeah. takes all the fun out of it's it. like blurring like, out the face it's yeah. like the blur. It's the blur over it. I did think of this this weekend too, talking to a friend of mine. Can you imagine if Bill Cower was still coaching with COVID? Oh. <laughs> I mean, he would be—he'd be spreading that all over Allegheny. It would be oh wait, crazy. how how great would it be if he just had the face shield? He would yeah. need a windshield wiper. Oh. It would look like Andy Reid's foggy one, only just wet. It would just like he was in a rainstorm. Uh, was, well, I was, sent to John. I sent to John a text that Andy Reid has a huge advantage because he spent his whole life looking through sneeze guards at buffets. So yeah. that mask—that's a brilliant joke. To it. Yeah. it really is. Yeah, I remember. I I, I I didn't even text you back. I just put my phone down and did. There you go. That's a keeper. Walk off the stage. Yeah, I like that. That's a brilliant. Because Andy's got and, no and, issue. It's a mobile sneeze guard. He can buffet yeah. anywhere he wants. Yeah. Completely brilliant. Yeah. Love that guy. All right. Uh, Later this week, the Ross Marquand episode, Walking Dead, uh, and like I said, Avengers, Infinity uh, War, and Endgame. He plays the Soul Stone Keeper, which is the Red Skull, um, and uh, did an amazing job with that. Incredible impressions, including his Brad Pitt, which blew oh. us away. And what, what, there was one other one that... Uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, he pulled I, out the Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. for me was just, like, ridiculous. He had a few great ones. Yeah, I, I remember really looking, looking at this screen just now. We're like if uh, if the NFL Network burned down and they needed a new Good Morning Football. This is a really bad version of what I'm seeing. <laughs> like you are no Kay Adams, Frank. Oh, there it is. Uh, I'm watching it. I was watching it this week, John, and thinking Kay Adams is really, really hot. He's beautiful. But the three but guys not, on it, look at the Frank. three guys on it, are incredibly beautiful. They are like the most beautiful guys, all three of them. And that's the end of the show. Yes, they're very handsome. (laughs) It's Kay Adams, and it's perfect. I did that. I did that. Before we go, I did that. I did one of each of them. It was just their facial expressions. Uh, uh, That was Kay Adams. And then Kyle Kyle was that. Uh, Nate Nate was uh, kind of a a cool guy look, uh, like the intelligent guy of the group. And then Peter um, Schrager was... Who's <laughs> like, who's the opposite? But he's just kind of got the goofy look of the three. He's got like the puppy dog eyes of the of yeah. all of them. 
I hate how pretty I think Kay Adams is and how you can turn into her because you're ruining it. Yep. <laughs> That's great. All right, everybody. <laughs> See you next week. Daddy loves you.